you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 Hello, Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I am Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential, along with my good pal, Vince Semperio of Chavez and Fiends. Vince, how are you doing? Jeff, I am doing pretty good, pretty good. Uh, Yeah, no complaints here. Well, good. Um, no major news to, to cover. We'll touch on a couple little things, and then we will uh, finish up our draft from yesterday of favorite non-Dodger, non-Hall of Famers, basically. Um, we did the outfielders yesterday. We'll do uh, starting pitcher, relief pitcher, catcher, and the infielders today. Um, but first, we want to remind you, please subscribe to Locked on Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. All right, two bits of news, or one bit of non-news and maybe a bit of news. Um, uh, There was a report on Twitter from a guy who sometimes contributes to Baseball America, but uh, I'd never heard of him. But according to him, several agents had been contacted and told that the minor league season had been canceled. And that if there is a major league season, it would be played with uh, significantly expanded rosters, uh, which is something we kind of expect, especially if they're going to do doubleheaders and try to fit 100 games into three months. Um, but then there was later a report from J.J. Cooper, who I have heard of, that was then corroborated by Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball, saying no such decision has been made. And so... In the end, I guess it's mostly a bit of non-news, right, Vince? Yeah, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of reports about this stuff. And obviously, even if it was true, uh, Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball wouldn't come out and say it. Uh, but they weren't, usually they're a little kind of vague if you know something might be true, but it's not. But this one was straight up denied. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how Minor League Baseball would work, though, if they do have a season. Yeah, if they're going to have 35 or 40 men rosters, they're going to have to I mean, you you can't have AAA if half your AAA team is is in the big leagues. So, uh I wouldn't be surprised if they do. You know, what the original report said was that there wouldn't be any organized minor league baseball this year, but there would be basically like the extended spring training uh essentially that they do every year anyway. That would be kind of like that. So guys could still get their work in and stuff, but mostly just playing pickup games, backfield games, and not anything real. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's what ends up happening, but as of right now, anyway, it's not officially going to happen. Uh, the other bit of news that uh, isn't specifically baseball-related but is promising is that uh, we found out on Thursday morning that they have a promising uh, lead on a treatment for covid Um, I don't remember what the medication is called, but they've been doing trials and it's been uh, working enough that 
the the real medical officials named it by name. And so, uh, you know, I, I've been saying all along, that's kind of the big game changer for me is if they can find treatment, that can totally change how everything's going on. Because if COVID stops being deadly, then we can go back to what a lot of people wanted to do, which is basically just treat it like any other illness. Uh, because if it's not killing people, it's just making them sick for a few days. Well, we can deal with that. So, so that's very promising just for the state of our country and the state of the world. And, you know, by extension, the state of major league baseball. Yeah. Hopefully that can get going. All right. So let's jump into our draft. Uh, quick recap of the rules of this draft. Basically we're picking our favorite guys at each position uh, who weren't Dodgers. Uh, they're allowed to have played for the Dodgers, but no more than two seasons is kind of the cutoff we did. Basically you want guys who aren't known for their time on the Dodgers uh, and we can't do any Hall of Famers or uh, then we're also excluding Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Pete Rose. Uh, was it just those three? Um yeah, guys who are Hall of Famers and aren't in the Hall of Fame for, for other reasons. Uh, so yesterday we did the outfield. I picked Jose Cruz, Jim Edmonds, and Dale Murphy. And Vince picked Bo Jackson, Kenny Lofton, and Manny Ramirez for his outfielder. So let's jump in with our starting pitcher, Vince. Who is your starting pitcher on your team? Starting pitcher. This one... It's hard. This one's hard because like most of the best starting pitchers have either been Dodgers for me or are in Hall of Fame. But this one, it's not exactly first sure first ballot, so it still uh, happens. And he just became a retired MLB player, and that's CC Sabathia. Uh, yeah, I mean he he's always been a, a bigger guy, fun which I'm more inclined to be appreciative of, but he's just a fun guy. And he, you know, he has his own podcast, which is pretty interesting. And he's always just been a, a fun, lovable guy. And even when on the Yankees, uh, you know, it, it's that's, he's one of the guys that started t- turning the tide for the Yankees for me, where I don't really hate the players anymore. It's just more hating the uniform and, and what it represents, but, uh, and the fans, but yes, you see Sabathia is my guy. Sabathia is a really good choice. Uh, you know, you've accused me of not liking fun because I'm not a Bartolo Colon fan. Uh, I'm a big CC Sabathia fan because he is a big guy, but he's also good at pitching, which Bartolo Colon didn't have going for him the last several years of his career and was never suspended for PEDs and was never found to have cheated on his wife and had a secret family, both of which Bartolo Colon did. So CC Sabathia is a fat guy I can get behind. Uh, so, and he knowingly sacrificed what was it like hundred thousand dollars maybe even five hundred thousand dollars he was he was one inning away from a a bonus in his last start of a season and he retaliated one of his teammates had been hit by a pitch and he stuck up for his teammate and hit a a guy on the other team knowing he would be ejected and it would cost him his bonus um you know i respect that a lot i'm not a fan of beanball wars but i respect a guy who will put his money where his mouth is so Uh, Hard not to respect that. Uh, My starting pitcher is a guy who I never got to see pitch, but I did get to actually spend quite a bit of time with him uh, long after his career was over. Uh, His name is Vern Law. He pitched for the Pirates in the 50s and 60s. He was very good, not quite Hall of Fame level, but he was a very good pitcher. Um, And then his son, Vance Law, 
played in the major leagues for a long time, Expos and Cubs mostly. Uh, and then Vance's son, Adam Law, was a Dodgers minor leaguer. Uh, never did make the big leagues. He's retired now, but uh, he, he came close to the big leagues to being a third-generation ball player. But when I was in college at BYU, Vance Law was the head coach of BYU's baseball team, and his dad, Vern, was at every game, and so was I. And I used to sit in the stands with Vern Law and talk baseball while we watched baseball, and uh, just the the nicest guy, and, you know, he was teammates with Roberto Clemente. Uh, he, he played against Willie Mays and Ernie Banks and Frank Robinson and everybody you could, you know, anybody, anybody National Leaguer from the 50s and 60s. He played alongside him. He was on the, the team that won the World Series on the Bill Mazeroski homer. Just a wealth of baseball knowledge. And uh, he he really likes talking about baseball, which was awesome for a guy like me. I was, you know, 22 years old, 23, something like that. And uh, just sitting and watching baseball and talking to Vern Law was one of the highlights of my life. So he is my favorite starting pitcher for this draft. There you go. Yeah, it's hard to beat the personal touches on some of these. Yep. All right, who do you got for relief pitcher, Vince? Relief pitcher. Um, there's a lot of different ways could have went, but the one mostly, I mean, I, the Astros weren't hated back then, and he has a cool story. So I'm going with Billy Wagner. Uh, you know, his little lefty who who threw really hard. That was always interesting. But then when you found out later on, or or Every time, pretty much, you, you saw Billy Wagner on some kind of game, uh, and he came in to pitch. You'd find out that he actually threw right-handed when he was growing up, and he broke his arm a few times. And in that, he switched to left-handed, and the rest was history. So that's a, a pretty cool story. And um, yeah, like I said, he, he's just one of those guys where he was one of those relievers. There's not a lot of relievers in the Hall of Fame, anyways, but he was one of those where uh, he was really, really good for a long time, but not quite Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah, Billy Wagner was almost my pick. Billy Wagner, uh, I believe, should be in the Hall of Fame. I think he was a better pitcher than Trevor Hoffman, who is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, And so, you know, obviously there are plenty of guys who aren't in the Hall of Fame who are better than some guys who are in the Hall of Fame. So now that Harold Baines is in, we can't just use that, uh, is he better than the worst Hall of Famer? Uh, But I think think Billy Wagner was a Hall of Fame-level pitcher and should be in, and I'm hopeful that he will get in at some point. I went with a different... uh, left-handed reliever. This guy actually was naturally left-handed as far as I know. Uh, he is the father of one of my favorite singers, and his name is Tug McGraw. And uh, Tug McGraw, a lot of fun stories about Tug McGraw. One less fun one is the fact that Tim McGraw actually grew up not knowing that Tug, Tug McGraw was his dad. Uh, he thought that his stepdad was his real dad. His name was, Tim McGraw's name was Tim Smith. And then when he was 11, he found his birth certificate that listed that Tug McGraw was his father. And he knew who Tug McGraw was because Tug McGraw was a major league pitcher. And uh, Tug McGraw spent the next seven years denying that he was Tim McGraw's dad. And finally, when Tim McGraw was 18, uh, Tug admitted that he was his dad. Um, He didn't really want to admit it before because Tim McGraw's mom was a teenager when Tug McGraw was a major league baseball player and impregnator. So, you know, not super admirable there. And uh, really... Tug McGraw wasn't uh, a super admirable guy, but he was a funny guy, and I'm a big fan of funny. Uh, he's He wasn't quite as quotable as Yogi Berra, but uh, some of my favorite Tug McGraw anecdotes. One time, uh, Tom Seaver was pitching, and 
the manager came and took Tom Seaver out of the game and brought in Tug McGraw and said something along the lines of, okay, let's get this guy. And uh, Tug McGraw said, uh, Skip, you just took Tom Seaver out of the game. I don't know what you expect me to do with this guy. Uh, one time somebody asked him if he preferred grass or AstroTurf, and he said, I don't know. I never smoked any AstroTurf. Um, one time after the, the Mets won the World Series, somebody asked him uh, what he was going to do with his World, Seri World Series bonus money. And he said, 90% I'll spend on good times, women, and Irish whiskey. The other 10% I'll probably waste, uh, which was a classic Tug McGraw line. And, uh, yeah, the other one that he told his manager one time, uh, which probably didn't instill a lot of confidence in the manager, he said, 10 million years from now, when the sun burns out and Earth is just a frozen ice ball hurtling through space, nobody's going to care whether I got this guy out or not. So uh, that was Tug McGraw. He was your classic uh, quirky lefty was part of the the Mets World Championship team, later was a big star with the Phillies. Uh, I assume the Phillies won the World Series at some point, when, 82 maybe? Um, so, uh, yeah, he was on a couple World Series teams and was a weirdo. So he is my relief pitcher. That'll work. All right, let's do catcher, and then we'll take a break. Catcher. Yeah, catcher was tough. There's a few guys that I was thinking about, but none really stood out. Uh, or the two that are probably better or are better players. They didn't quite stand out enough for me. So I'm going with Dan Wilson, who was mostly known for being on the Mariners. Uh, he came up with the Reds, but he was with the Mariners in those late 90s with, with Griffey and, and Unit and A-Rod and, and all those guys and Buner and Edgar. So I always remember him. Uh, and then not I was never really drawn to him, even though I'm usually drawn to catchers, but he's just one of those guys that was just there as part of those Mariner teams. So... Uh, yeah, Dan Wilson, probably the worst player on my team, but he's going to be there for you. Huh. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm picking another, I, my, my guy was better than Dan Wilson for sure. Uh, my guy was a borderline, no, not borderline, not quite a hall of famer, but he was a good catcher played on four world series championship teams, including the Cardinals who actually did win it in 82. I think the Phillies won it in 83 with Tug McGraw. Um, but he won it three times with the A's in the 70s and then with the 1982 Cardinals. He was an M MVP of the 1972 World Series. His name is Gene Tennis. And uh, a couple things I really like about Gene Tennis. Uh, one is that uh, his nickname was Steamboat. And I, I, I think baseball players these days don't have as good a nicknames as players used to. And I think Steamboat is an awesome nickname. Uh, I don't know why he was called Steamboat. I should have looked it up, but I don't. Um, but the reason I didn't look it up is because he didn't need a, a nickname because, you know, he went by Gene, which was his middle name. His first name, his given first name was Fury, like Nick Fury, F-U-R-Y, Fury. Why would you go by Gene when your name is Fury? Um, and it, it's, it, it was a, uh, uh, anglicization, 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 whatever, uh, his family came from Italy and his, his grandpa or dad was named Fiori, F-I-O-R-I. And they changed that to Fury and that's what they named him Fury. And, uh, personally, uh, I think it's funny that a guy named Fury and nicknamed Steamboat went by Gene. Uh, but he was a heck of a ball player and I like him. So Gene Tennis is my catcher. There you go. Oh, and Jeff, uh, McGraw won in 80 with the Phillies. 
80. Yeah. I always, That's right, 83, the Phillies lost to the Orioles. Yeah, I always remember 80 because then when they went in 08, it was like the opposite. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The Phillies lost to the Orioles in 83. And, yeah, those early 80s, it was right before I started paying attention to baseball. And uh, sometimes I struggle remembering who won which. Yeah, in 82, the Cardinals beat the Brewers. 83, the Phillies beat the Orioles. and or, or the Phillies lost to the Orioles. And at 80, the Phillies beat somebody. Um, anyway, all right. So when we come back, we will do our infielders. So keep it locked on Dodgers. All right, Vince, uh, let's jump right back into our draft. Uh, who is the first baseman on your all-time non-Dodger, non-Hall of Fame team? Yeah, first baseman, I believe is the same guy I used in the uniform thing. That's Carlos Delgado. Uh, I mean, same thing I said about him last time. That that swing was just vicious, that, that at-bat. I'm not a left-handed batter, but if I would try to pretend to be left-handed, I would try to mimic his uh, stance for sure. Although my swing never quite looked like that. But yeah, he was just uh, one of those guys that was maybe a little bit of victim of the time he played. Uh, but he was really good. Maybe not quite Hall of Fame, but uh, at least should have stayed on the ballot like we talked about last time. Yeah, yeah, Delgado. I like Delgado a lot. Uh, I went with the guy who, uh, I don't know how you feel about him as a player. I know how you feel about him uh, as a manager. And you, you like him less than I do. I wasn't a big fan of him as a manager, but I definitely liked him more than you did. And that's Don Mattingly. Uh, Don Mattingly, when I was growing up, he was one of the best hitters in baseball. He and Wade Boggs and Tony Gwynn were like the, the three guys you talked about who are the best hitters in baseball. It was those three guys. And Mattingly, he, he was so good. And kind of like my pick of Dale Murphy yesterday, uh, Don Mattingly was a guy who throughout the 80s, it was just understood he is a future Hall of Famer. And then, unfortunately, just like Dale Murphy, Mattingly had injury problems. Uh, his time with the the Yankees happened to coincide with uh, the time that the Yankees never did anything. Uh, he never got to play in the postseason until his very last season, 1995. Um the, the Yankees, even though the Yankees actually had more wins in the 80s than anybody, any other team in baseball. But they, uh, after they lost the World Series to the Dodgers in 81, Mattingly came up in 83, and and they never did anything the whole time he was playing, which wasn't his fault. Uh, but he was such a good hitter, and if it wasn't for injuries, he would have been a Hall of Famer, and I still think he should be a Hall of Famer. He's another guy who, like I said with Murphy, uh, I believe that based on his peak, he should be in the Hall of Fame. His peak was long enough, and he was good enough that he should be a Hall of Famer. And I am a huge Don Mattingly, the baseball player, fan. Good old Donnie baseball. Yep. Who do you got at second base, Vincent? Second base, I have Alfonso Soriano. He was another one, kind of like Delgado, just a vicious swing uh, that seemed like he swung as hard as he could every single time. He actually has a cool story because he came up, he played in Japan actually. Um, you know, part of that an academy for Dominican players ended up making up to uh, the Hiroshima, Hiroshima, the Carp. Uh, but then he didn't really like it, and he didn't like the practice schedule and all that. So he kind of did something similar to Hideo Nomo and retired from the league, and then wanted to come over to the MLB. And they let him come, and then he was with the Yankees and Cubs and Nationals and Rangers. 
but yeah, he was uh, just that swing was always vicious, and you know, now not a second baseman with power back then. Um, so yeah, that, he was always a, a guy that was fun to watch. Yeah, I, I can see that. I was never a big Soriano fan. Um, I don't know why. I don't really. Uh, I didn't never had anything specific against him, but uh, he just never excited me much. Um, but I picked a, guy, a second baseman who didn't have much power, although he did lead the American League in home runs in the strike-shortened 1981 season. Um, and that is Bobby Gritch. Bobby Gritch played 17 years, uh, mostly with the Angels, came up with the, the Orioles, and then, you know, like eight, seven or eight years with the Orioles, and then the next nine or ten with the Angels. Uh, so again, like I like I was talking about with uh, with Jim Edmonds, I, I saw Bobby Gritch play a lot because uh, I went to a lot of Angel games. You know, not as much. He, his last year was 86, and so I was only nine years old. Uh, but, you know, in that time when I was just starting to get into baseball, we went to quite a few Angel games. I watched Bobby Gritch play a lot. Bobby Gritch is a guy who absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame, and it's a travesty that he's not, especially because he only lasted – one year on the ballot, he got 2.6% of the vote in 1992, and he dropped off the ballot, and that's uh, ridiculous to me. And, and it was a, you know, a stacked ballot, I guess, but uh, but not so stacked that they couldn't find. I mean, guys who got higher higher vote rates than him, you know, George Foster, who wasn't nearly the player, uh, Mickey Lolich, you know, uh, Veda Pinson, a lot of guys who just didn't weren't nearly as good as Bobby Gritch, uh, but he was a heck of a ball player offensively and defensively and uh, should have been a Hall of Famer, and I'm a big Bobby Gritch fan. Yeah, for a lot of guys that I have very vague uh, knowledge of, so that's good. Yeah. All right, who you got at shortstop? Shortstop. Shortstop was also kind of tough because I know you had issues with it too, but I went with a guy... He went to the same college as I did, so that already put him up. He played on a team in the Dodgers division, but just means we got to see him play more. And his injury was cut short by a bunch of injuries, and that's Troy Tulowitzki. Uh, you know, you, I don't think people really realize or remember how good he was just because kind of how his career ended. Uh, but he was really, really good those those years with the Rockies. And, yeah, like I said, he was uh, went to Long Beach State. And then was, you know, got to see him play a lot against the Dodgers. I don't remember him being a Dodger killer per se, so that also make me like him a little more. Yeah, uh, the scout who scouted Tula Whiskey for the, for the Rockies when they drafted him was Todd Blylevin, the son of Burt Blylevin. And Todd Blylevin pitched for the Lake Elsinore Storm when I was in high school. And uh, we, we became really good buddies. We're actually still friends. We're, we text once in a while and... Uh, Todd Blylevin was actually in, in Las Vegas a couple of years ago at that big shooting at the Jason Aldean concert. And uh, I actually wrote an article about Todd Blylevin uh, a few months after that happened. He got his wife to safety and then went back in six or seven times to help help people escape the shooting. Um, but yeah, he was the scout that, that signed Troy Tulowitzki. So. Um, my shortstop, I did have a hard time, you know, because... My favorite player of all time is Cal Ripken, but obviously he's not eligible for this vote because he is rightfully a Hall of Famer. I was a big Alan Trammell fan, uh, but he's now a Hall of Famer. Uh, 
Ozzy Smith, obviously a lot of, a lot of the shortstops when I was growing up have made the hall of fame. Uh, Tony Fernandez didn't, and I considered him, but he was always like a, uh, I, I liked Fernandez fine, but not quite, uh, not quite enough to make this. And so there's another guy who, uh, I watched play quite a bit also because, uh, Padre Stadium was also easier to get to than Dodger Stadium, so I went to quite a few Padre games growing up, and he was the Padres catcher, or shortstop, I mean, when I was a kid, after having been traded from the Cardinals to the Padres for Ozzie Smith, and that was Gary Templeton. Uh, and Gary Templeton, he was a switch hitter, and uh, just this year I wrote about Gary Templeton. Uh, back in 1979, he became the first player ever to have at least 100 hits from each side of the plate uh, in one season. he Late in the season, he found out that he was close to doing that, and so he started batting right-handed all the time, even against right-handed pitchers, uh, to try to get to 100 hits right-handed, and he got to exactly 100. And then over time, with uh, new record-keeping and stuff, uh, some of those hits got taken away from him, and it was kind of accepted common knowledge that uh, somebody had miscounted along the way back in 1979 and that Templeton didn't actually get to 100 hits right-handed. Uh, as of right now, RetroSheet has him with 94 hits right-handed, and Baseball Reference has him with 96. And I spent a couple months reading through newspaper accounts of that season, and I found... The rest of those hits and proved that he actually did have exactly 100 hits right-handed. And as of last week, I heard back from Dave Smith, the founder of RetroSheet, and Sean Foreman, the founder of Baseball Reference, and they are both working on updating their records to reflect that Gary Templeton actually did have 100 hits from each side of the plate that year. Um, and so I've uh, probably, it, if you had asked me a year ago, I probably wouldn't have picked Templeton, although I don't know who I would have picked. Uh, but in the last few months, I've felt quite a bond with him as I've researched him and kind of uh, vindicated his record. So Gary Templeton's my shortstop. Hi, Jeff. You are a national hero. I, yeah, a national or at least uh, in, in the Templeton house, I hope. so. <laughs> um, all right, last pick, Vince. We have third base. Who do you got? Third base. This one is a very recency pick. And he qualifies perfectly because he played parts of two seasons with the Dodgers, and that's David Freeze. Uh, I, you know, other than his big hits in the in the World Series those years, I didn't really know too much about him. And then there was an article before I even got to the Dodgers article about overcoming alcoholism or depression and depression, I believe, and how he, you know, his his current wife helped him get through that. So that was a you know a cool story that. Uh, stuff you don't really see, he became a, a big hero and kind of a hometown hero. Uh, and he was dealing with a lot of stuff going on with him, and, and he worked through that. And then, like I said, when he came to the Dodgers, obviously he was very, very good for the Dodgers. Had a, some some big key hits, especially one against the Braves in uh, the postseason. And he was just fun. I mean, his postgame, and anytime he got to do a postgame interview, it was going viral a few minutes later after it happened. So, yeah, David Freeze is my guy. Uh, although I will give like honorable mentions to Vinny Castillo and Eric Chavez, who probably would have been picked if David Freeze didn't leave such a good impact. Yeah, uh, there's not much to dislike about Freeze. I actually wasn't a big fan of him uh, because in that 2011 World Series, 
I was rooting for the Rangers. Um, because my, my wife went to high school in Dallas. Her parents were still there in Texas. And so they, to the extent that they cared about baseball, they were Ranger fans. And I was so annoyed with that triple that freeze hit because it should have been a series ending flyout If Nelson Cruz didn't have wallophobia. Um, and, and so I, I never gave freeze probably the credit that he deserved. Uh, but once he became a Dodger, you're right. He, uh, there's nothing not to like about him. And he is by all accounts, a great guy and was a heck of a ball player. So that's a good pick. Um, for my third baseman, I also picked a guy who spent parts of two seasons with the Dodgers. Um, and then, uh, similar to my first baseman, he later became a manager who, uh, struggled with some of the finer points of managing. And that is Robin Ventura. Uh, I was a big Robin Ventura fan when he was on the White Sox. And actually, I remember when he was in college at Oklahoma State and he he set the record. He had a 58-game hitting streak in college. And uh, you know, I didn't follow college baseball, especially not as a you know 10- or 11-year-old or whatever. But I remember hearing about that. And so when he got drafted, um, I got his, his number one draft pick card in, I think it was 1989 tops. And... Uh, just uh I was really excited about him and then he came up with the White Sox and he was a really good ball player and then later with the Mets he had that famous walk-off home run single where he hit a grand slam and uh I think it was Todd Pratt was on first base and uh just stopped running when the ball went over the, the wall and so Ventura ended up passing him so he had to get a walk-off grand slam but he only got credit for a walk-off single um, which uh, also reminded me of back in the 1950s, Harvey Haddock's pitched a 13-inning perfect game for the Pirates, and uh, but the it was a nothing nothing tie, at, at 12 innings, and it was in the 13th inning I think he uh, a guy got on an error to break up the perfect game, and then Haddock allowed his first hit, which was a home run by uh, Hank Aaron, I believe, uh, that actually went over the fence, but uh, he only got credit for a double because of some weird thing. I think it was the same thing, passing somebody on the bases or, oh yeah, so after the error, they intentionally walked a guy and then Hank Aaron passed the guy on the bases. So he only got credit for a walk-off double, uh, but that was the only Haddock's allowed in that game. And then to tie it all back together, uh, the first time I met Vern Law, my pitcher on my team, uh, even though he had been teammates with Roberto Clemente, um, who was one of my favorite players of all time, the first question I thought to ask Vern Law was, uh, so is Harvey Haddock really as goofy looking as he looked in the pictures? And uh, so uh, bringing it all back together, Robin Ventura to Harvey Haddock to Vern Law. So Robin Ventura is my third baseman. And if you don't know what Harvey Haddock looked like, do a Google image search because dude was ugly. And he got beat up by one of your favorite pitchers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Robin Ventura getting beat up by Nolan Ryan was a highlight, and I loved, you know, you, you could kind of see he starts charging the man. You can see him change his mind halfway through, but he's like, uh, I guess I got to do this, and then he uh, proceeded to get pounded on. So, yep. Yeah, Harvey Haddock looks like Dino Ebel a little bit. Uh, Like Dino Ebel after Dino got hit with an ugly stick a whole bunch because, yeah, D- like Dino is nothing great to look at, but Harvey Haddock was, uh, that dude was ugly. Uh, all right, Vince. Well, that was a good draft. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. 
uh, definitely, you know, this extended offseason has got us doing a lot of things. So, uh, like I said, if there's anything you guys ever have, feel free to let us know. Yep, and tomorrow we're going to do a mailbag episode, so feel free to shoot us your questions on Twitter. We'll put out a call on Twitter probably before you even listen to this. Um, but uh, shoot us your questions and any topic ideas or draft ideas like this. We would love to hear them. We really enjoyed doing the the if the Dodgers were planets, which ones would they be draft and uh, or whatever. It wasn't quite a draft, but, uh, you know, and so if you have any fun ideas like that, let us know. Um, but yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts and questions and whatever else you have anything else for today, Vince. No, that'll about wrap it up for us today. All right. So we will be back tomorrow with that mailbag episode. Please subscribe to locked on Dodgers, wherever you get your podcasts. If you have Apple podcasts, even if you don't really use it, go ahead and subscribe there to help other people find us. Please rate and review us. If you have nice things to say about us, uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Semperio. I'm on Twitter at Snydog. DMs are open everywhere. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. Or our phone number, if you want to leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text, is 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you later. Have a good one. D, I say D-O, D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all hard, all hard and all thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bonjour!